listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about why the Dead Man's Tale exotic quest was a great surprise. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or watching on my other YouTube channel, you can always catch me live on YouTube at SNTRlive.com. SNTRlive.com will bring you to these live shows I do on Monday through Friday on YouTube, and we do these Q&A and discussions as well. And we've been doing a lot of polls, so... And be sure to check out RageousRoast.com if you want to order some of the coffee. So, this was a great, great surprise. We were not expecting this early in the season. I mean, it's literally the second week, and we sort of knew from the press kit that the eerie dark ship out there in the darkness was going to be a part of the exotic quest, because the pictures of this ship, that I, the one that I'm using right here, is from the press kit was literally in a folder labeled Exotic Quest. So we kind of knew, okay, it's not going to be a dungeon. I thought it was going to be a dungeon. It turned out to be sort of a quasi-dungeon. It's 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 not as big as like a pit of heresy or something, but it's actually a lot to do and a lot going on. And I thought this was amazingly done. So this is going to be a bit of a gushy video because I think they nailed this. I have almost no criticisms at all. Destiny 2 Season of the Chosen released a surprise exotic scout quest on Tuesday, February 16th alongside the new Battlegrounds location on the Cosmodrome. So I'm messing around with the Cosmodrome Battlegrounds and people are like, Lono, there's an open door in the Arms Dealer Nightfall. Now it turned out you could do that if you just loaded up the strike, but I think it's a great sort of like callback to when they did this before with the Black Spindle. Now this leads to a transponder, you get the transponder and ultimately leads to you going to Zavala and then we go out to this creepy location in the reef and the mission is titled Presage. The mission is a great example of what Bungie can get right when they create unique experiences and they plan to get more out of this with another exotic that has random rolls. Now I will speak to the random roll aspect because I am fully in support of this as long as it's not too commonly done and one of the community managers indicated that this was not something they were going to do all the time and it might be a while before they do it again. I'm thinking they might take a season off and then they'll do it, you know, in a season later. So first, let's just talk about surprises and why I think this is this is the best version that we typically get of Bungie, okay? If there's one thing Bungie usually manages to knock out of the park, it's surprises. It's difficult to do with data mining, but I think they're still nailing this aspect of the game. Now, with the exception of Bastion, they have a really good history and track record of dropping an exotic mission or quest in the game that simply is not explained. No one knew what this was. We didn't even know how to get into the ship when we first got there you're just sort of stumbling through this derelict ship out in the middle of a darkness zone and we got a hint that this was going to be something in the season when osiris said there is no light here now you know everybody gets to kind of eat crow that thought that that was a that was a hint and a tip about the next season it wasn't it was within this season one weekend and i and i, and I love that they decided to do this really early as a surprise the callback to the Black Spindle with an open door and a nightfall was a brilliant way to kick this off. If you remember the daily story mission, you could go through that one open door and that led to the Spindle mission. Everyone loves the idea of feeling like they're discovering something brand new, fresh, and unannounced. It almost is like a secret that we weren't meant to find. Even though you know they put it there for you, there's something about it. It's like, where where are we going? What is this? Where are we going to go with this? I love that and I hope lots of people get to enjoy this blind just go in have no clue what they're doing or how to you know or how to figure it out 
Even after all these years, I cannot help but get excited when something mysterious and unexplained lands in the game. This was definitely one of those times that I hope Bungie continues to find ways to put things into the game and seasons without telling us ahead of time. A lot of us have been looking at the calendars and the drop pages and like, oh, Season of the Chosen looks light. There's not a lot of value here. There's not a lot of stuff. This is a perfect example of how Bungie can surprise us and beef up a season to make it feel exciting and very, very good. Let's talk about the mission because I this was so much fun. I did it twice. I went through the second time on solo. It wasn't on purpose. I was asking chat, hey, is there anybody that wants to jump in and run it again? And I was like, let's just see what happens. I'm going to try and run it solo. And I did. And I don't run content solo. And I had an absolute blast. The Presage mission is probably one of the coolest and creepiest environments that Bungie has ever created. The use of lighting, sound, music, and ominous threats in the shadows was a fresh and new endeavor for the Bungie team. They've not really done something like this before. We've gone into areas and, you know, we got killed by Trevor and had things like that. But this was truly... I think unique within the franchise and the pieces of content that we've gotten up to now. And the mission does not just feature cool effects and sounds, but new mechanics tied to puzzles and creative use of space where you have to figure out how to double back and get through spaces efficiently, all while getting surprised by enemies in solid fights within, I think, with very, very good density and threat. I thought this was amazing use of space. You're doubling back and opening doors and kind of solving. We got to get to here, so we need to go there, and we and we got to we got to kill this, or or, or like we got to get the spores or whatever. My two favorite moments were probably the trash compactor Star Wars homage. I love that. I thought that was so cool. Once we figured out what was happening and we died, uh, as well as the final boss fight. Uh, at first, I didn't like the enemies seemingly sort of spawning behind me in the boss fight. But when I went back solo, I was thrilled with how fun it was to run by myself. You kind of have to memorize where they spawn and where they might be because the, the the screebs are sort of random in the in the final boss fight. And the final boss fight is so well done with respect to you can sort of be in control and have restraint and be disciplined and be patient or you can be aggressive. I did it my first time I fought the boss solo, I beat him flawless. I never died at the boss. Now, I died earlier in my solo run in like the trash compactor and a couple of weird spots where like I made a bad jump. I wasn't going for flawless. I didn't know I was going to get to the end and and one shot the boss my first try by myself, but I loved it. The intensity, the threat, the survivability, kind of managing, going down and shooting him. I used rockets and I used Tiku's divination and a slug shotgun, uh, the, the, the shotgun from Deepstone Crypt. I, I thought it was excellent. I loved it from beginning to end by myself, and it was it was something that I've never experienced in Destiny before. I'm not the guy that likes to run content like Solo Flawless a Dungeon. That is one of my criticisms, by the way. Uh, Solo Flawless should be more than a triumph. It should give you an emblem. No question. <laughs> there should be something there. They should have done the same thing with the Harbinger mission. Now, let's talk about the gun, okay? The gun, at first, we were sort of like, this thing seems weak. It seems like it should just be a legendary but hold on to your hats because we don't know the, like the full the full scope of where this gun's going to land. I think the gun is a fantastic looking piece of equipment, well in line with the other Tex Mechanica weapons and their design style. I tested it out a bit in the Lost Sector, and when I played the Presage mission, it just felt and it sounded exactly like I wanted a beefy scout rifle to feel. It just felt really, really nice. I love the sound, the look, the way you pull it out, the way you reload it. The design team deserves high praise for this weapon. It's truly 
cool <laughs> and unique. It's not, you know, just another hand cannon like everybody was kind of scared of. Now, Presage, as a mission, however, was not the best place to try this weapon out, so I had to quickly kind of shelve it. The Tiku's Divination was really, really helping me stay alive by priming Screebs and big groups of people and detonating them, as well as there was a lot of solar uh, solar shields and some tanky enemies, and Tiku's is pretty good against uh, orange bars and majors and things like that. So I did put it down. Now, upon research from community members testing and looking at the catalyst, this gun has a lot of potential for both fun, efficiency, and it might really be a contender in PvP, okay? This is what the Catalyst does, by the way. I know that people, some people like this feel like this is a spoiler, but it's just a Catalyst, okay? Increased hip fire rate of fire, and it removes the hip fire accuracy penalties. Now, this is something that I've wanted on a scout rifle for a really long time. Enable some variability. Uh, I always said, you know, give it a variable fire rate and I might start using a scout. But also the agility for combat readiness since so many enemies pathfind right up your nose. I mean, most enemies typically pathfind aggro and they just charge at you and they're right in front of your face. And that's why, that's one of the reasons I really like Tiku's Divination because you can hip fire, it kind of stuns them, primes them, and then you can detonate them. There's an agility there uh, and there's a, there's sort of a, a variable nature to Tiku's that enables you to engage at long, medium, and close range, and with this catalyst, this weapon, Dead Man's Tail, may start to get some play both in PvE and in PvP. We are we are hearing from folks in the PvP crowd that this thing could potentially really stand on its own within the current meta because of the 120 hand cannons, a lot of range fighting going on right now, and in the right uh, in the right circumstances, this weapon can two-tap, and so this you might start to see this thing really get some play, and especially since you can go for god rolls. Now, I want to say people are sort of upset you can only get one roll a week right now, but there is the rumor about a hard mode coming, and what I think they did is, since it landed literally in the second week of the season, they want to get a little bit of life out of this. I'm fully in support of random rolled weapons, getting capital out of these amazing areas, making us go back and rerun them if we want, and then they'll likely open up the floodgates the way they did with Hawkmoon later in the season, and you'll be able to go for as many versions as you want. Right now, it's really early in the season, so they're trying to sort of... And I know people don't like this. I'm not a fan of it either, but they're trying to sort of restrict just how quickly it gets thrown over your shoulder. So we're going to transition to Q&A. If you're in the live audience, don't go anywhere. If you're a member, you can submit questions or you can become a member to submit questions. And as always, if you're listening to this elsewhere, please like, share, and subscribe.